This is the Mobile Tech Podcast, brought to you by worldpodcasts.com. Now here's your host, tech girl, Miriam Jouar. Hi, and welcome to the Mobile Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Miriam Jouar, and today is Wednesday, October 11th, 2017. I have a very cool guest this week, and that is Chris Velasco of Engadget. Hi, Chris. How are you? I'm doing really, really well, Miriam. How's it going? I'm great. I'm super stoked to have you on the show. We've been trying to make this work for a long I know. time. And you're super busy. And I totally realize that because for those of you who don't know, because maybe you did not used to listen to the Engadget mobile podcast back in the day, I used to do Chris's job at Engadget. And then Brad took over and then Chris took over. And here we are today. And it's an insane job. Like it's really busy. So I totally appreciate you taking the time and being here. No, of course. I'm glad to be able to finally do this with you. <laughs> and, you know, I think this is a good one, too, because, like, you know, this is probably the most important phone for us nerds because, you know, the iPhone's super critical, right? But I think that, you know, the tech-savvy early adopter types folks are more likely to buy a Pixel. And so this is the Pixel show. This is the Pixel 2, Pixel 2 XL, Pixel Book, uh, Google Home Mini, Google... What is it? Buds? What are they Pixel called? Pixel Buds. Yep. Pixel Buds and uh, Google, what's the other, the camera called again? Clips. Oh, Clips. Yeah. So let's talk about all of that. And I want to first hear your impressions on the Pixel 2 and Pixel XL, Pixel 2 XL. So I don't think I need to preface this too, too much. Like, you're right. This is the phone we've all been waiting for. Like every other Android phone released this year will inevitably be compared to this thing. And just based off of the limited time that we had with this device in San Francisco. Yeah, I'm really pumped. There's a lot to like about this thing. Android Oreo seems like a very substantial update. I've I've enjoyed testing that out to some extent. We're still kind of working on like our full deep dive, but there's a lot to like. The hardware is pretty impressive too. Let me I'm I'm curious about your experience with one thing specifically. Have you played with the Pixel 2s at all yet? Yeah, so I was at the event last week with along, you know, with, with, with almost everyone we know, pretty much, and I'm um, I'm getting a review in it hopefully in the next few days. Um, but I have, you know, obviously played with it just as much as you did. I don't know uh, if you guys got pre-briefed beforehand or whatever, but um, you know, I got a pretty good feel. I spent a good, you know, hour on and off with various of the demo phones there. So yeah, I, I played with it. And, you know, I'm, I'm a Pixel user daily, right? I have a Pixel XL as my main daily driver. And so for me, it's going to be a Pixel 2 XL, obviously, that I'm going to want to upgrade to, right? And that's going to be a lot of people, I think, right? Because if you have a device like the Pixel 2, which is very good, if you run down the list of specs, if you pick it up, if you sort of get a feel for what this device actually is and what it tries to do, I think it's very easy to appreciate. But when you have that next to the XL with that much larger screen, there's, there's for me, no competition. Like the XL is going to be the one that just gets people excited about pixels, maybe in a way that they have never been before. Yeah. And I think that I, I agree. And I think I chalk it up to the fact that last year's pixels were kind of very co- uh, boring and conservative designs. They basically tried to look like an iPhone without the home button. And they succeeded at that. And they're very boring and generic. Most people just think I'm using an iPhone unless they clo- closely and they go, what is that? And then if they see the back, they obviously realize it's not an iPhone. But most people have no idea that it's a pixel, right? And I think there's a bit more branding going on this year, especially with the XL, the 2XL, because 
it's obvious with this super, you know, the ultra wide uh, 18.9 aspect ratio screen, and with the the band, the, the fact that at least one model has that that kind of panda look, you know, the black and white. Oh yeah, yeah. I that I hope that's one I send me really with the little uh, orange fluorescent uh, whatever uh, power button on it. Yeah, what a beautiful little thing that is. My my big concern with the Pixel Two XL versus the Pixel Two is that I, I don't know. To your point, like. Yes, last year's Pixels looked pretty generic, like they had the sort of vaguely iPhone slash HTC One A9 thing going on. Uh-huh. But but the Pixel 2, to me, looks very instantly dated because it has so much bezel on the top and yeah, bottom the small of that display. One. And, and also, you know what kind of vexes me and bugs me is the fact that they don't seem like they come from the same family, right? Last Definitely year it was not. clear, right? But this year... You know, it's obvious that HTC made the small one and LG made the big one. And and to me, for a company like Google, who's really trying to push it, this is our hardware, right? This is this is us making hardware. I think this is a failure. In, in fact, what I would say is that even though last year's design was boring, it was consistent and it felt consistent. And I felt like there was a brand back there, like a Google brand behind it. Right. This year, it feels more disjointed. And I actually think of all the devices, and we'll talk about this device later, but I feel that of all the devices they brought out, the, the Pixel Book has that strong branding to me. It really well, screams Pixel device. Yeah, and Whereas I think really interestingly don't. too is that like it very much evokes last year's Pixel, right? So you've got that sort of beautiful, sort of neutral metallic look with that white sort of glass window yeah yeah like that to me speaks last year's pixel it it doesn't frankly look a whole lot like this year's model new ones which is strange yeah and so uh you know and then the chamfered edge on the pixel 2 versus no chamfered edge on the uh, pixel 2 xl there's some kind of lack of consistency there that i feel you know and and i've talked about this on the podcast before with my last two guests uh, sasha segan and and uh and uh, matt uh, swider uh that we all agreed, and maybe you feel the same, is, is that the, you know, announcing this HTC quote-unquote acquisition, for lack of a better word, um, is just like a week or two before you actually come out with a flagship made by LG, and clearly made by LG, is a bit weird, right? Yeah, I, I, so I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that Google sort of going into this, they designed this phone from top to bottom, they had a very clear vision of what this phone was supposed to be. And I, I, I can't speak to the reasons why they decided to split up actual production of these devices between two manufacturers. But I think it's pretty clear by the fact that, yes, they announced that HTC, basically they picked up 2000 HTC design and research people to kind of work specifically for Google on hardware going forward. That to me seems like a pretty clear indication that Google maybe isn't displeased with the way the Pixels 2, Pixel 2s have worked out, but this definitely isn't what they want to see going forward. They definitely want one team working on this device and sort of making sure there is that consistency in the years to come. Yeah, I agree. I think also what surprised me is that they both have the squeeze feature because I really didn't think that the XL, the 2XL would have it. I really thought just the HTC-made device would. And that would kind of differentiate it in the same way as the 2XL is differentiated by its its ultra-wide AMOLED, uh, plastic AMOLED panel, right. you know. So so that was interesting that somehow there was some collaboration there between the LG team and the HTC team because, you know, that is very much an, an HTC area of expertise since the U11 was the first phone with it. Um, as an aside, I don't want to go too tangent, but, you know, 
I love tangents because you remember what the old Engadget mobile show was like. But as a tangent, quickly, what are your thoughts on HTC in terms of, I don't think we're going to ever see a, a phone from them again, or, or at I, least not a oh, flagship phone. I don't know about that. I think HTC has been, I mean, so you and I both know, know this, but for the sake of people who don't, like HTC's DNA for a long time was basically as an ODM. Like they were this company that would make pretty solid hardware for basically anyone who wanted to right so i don't know that they'd necessarily swing fully back into that but i think even with most of their design production and research team kind of working for google now i think there's still enough institutional knowledge there to kind of keep going and make something does that make sense i i don't think so but i but i have heard rumors that i i do trust that uh, that they are going to be working on at least one more phone. I don't know if it's going to be a flagship level, but it is. There is something coming. They they still okay. have something in the works. Phew, because you know I think you and I both agree. HTC is even if they fade away, like many others have, they are they are a huge name. We need we need to keep them around. Like they are, you know they they brought us the G one right. Like that was the first Android phone on the market, guys. Yeah, HTC's DNA is so thoroughly entwined with Google and its hardware and its kind of ambitions for mobile from day one. Like they Google bought Android in 2005, I believe, for something yeah. like 50 million dollars. <laughs> and so and so obviously they wanted to kind of get a phone going, but who do they turn to when push came to shove and they needed someone to make something good and sort of set the pace for these devices? HTC. Like you can't you can't let a company like that sort of fade away. Yeah, and then the original Nexus, HTC. Of course. Right, Nexus One. I mean, that was a groundbreaking device in its time. The droid had just happened, which in itself was a, a masterful machine. Like, I mean, when the droid, when my Android review unit arrived, um, I was, that was before I was at Engadget, and, and I was just like, wow, this is the future of phones? Holy crap, it was so thin. <laughs> and, and the display, the resolution, 800 by 480 on a 3.7-inch display, it was insane. I know. And, and Google, uh, it, was, it was Cupcake or Donut, I can't remember. It was the one with the Google navigation, you know? Yeah, whichever, whichever 2.0 was. And then 2.1 brought the Nexus One, basically, and and that was an again. It's like okay, we can actually live without the keyboard on an Android device, right? That was the first one, and then we got the Incredible right after that, oh, which was man, basically a Nexus One on steroids for Verizon exclusive. And even though it was skinned, oh my God, it was one of the best phones at the time. Do you was, remember that? Was it not the first with like? A one gigahertz processor kicking away inside there? No, that was the Nexus, I think. Okay. Nexus One was the first, but you're close. It had the same guts as the Nexus One, but it added expand. Uh, no, it had expandability like Nexus One. No, it added an eight megapixel camera versus yeah, five. Yeah, that's what it, it was. It had like a killer camera for the time, and uh, it was just gorgeous. So let's go back to <laughs> <laughs> see tangents. I love them. This is what uh, we do. Let's go back to uh, to the uh, to the Pixel Two XL for a second because. I want to hear your take, but my first experience holding it was, I mean, if it's beautiful and felt great, it it feels good. Like the, that it it just felt, it didn't feel like aluminum the back, like even though it is aluminum, but the coating on it is really interesting. It feels like paint or something. I don't know. What what are you, what's your take on that? It, well, it's, it's interesting to me that they even bothered trying like, so yes, it's a, it's a metal body with sort of the special coating that kind of makes it feel a little more durable, but I wonder if they shouldn't have just gone for like the straight metal finish. Like yeah. after having played with it, I, it, the coating makes it feel a little more pedestrian to me. Like, Cheap. It, yeah. 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 Right. 
Yeah. Even it doesn't matter the color, by the way. I just want to make it clear. It's a it's a weird finish. Uh, it doesn't feel like anodized. It just feels like a paint, um, like a matte or satin paint. And uh, I'm not sure it's going to wear out very well, but we'll see. Um, you know, LG phones for you know. I don't want to. I love LG phones, but they do not wear out very well. So uh, <laughs> HTC phones do tend to wear out really well. So that's my take. So I have a feeling that the Pixel, old Pixel 2s are going to look in better shape than old Pixel 2 XLs. I'm calling it now. I think Let's you might be right happens. about that. There is actually, um, there's one thing I wanted to ask you about your experience with the 2XL too. So we're there, we're in like this, in the middle of this throng of journalists, we're playing with the phones. What did you, what did you think of this screen? Okay, so that, that's kind of what, Another thing I was going to bring up, I pulled out my V30 and it's the same exact screen, but, but the phone, the, the two XL is bigger, like has yes. more bezels is taller is wider. And I was like, wait, this does not compute. The V30 is a totally feature packed phone has dual cameras has a headphone jack, which is missing on the pixels. And I want to rant about that later, <laughs> uh, but, but, but it, it has so much more inside. It's like wireless charging, it? and yet this Pixel Two costs about the same Pixel Two XL, and it, it, it's it doesn't it's bigger. Like what happened there? I I, I don't know. Like I, I don't know if this is a, a a function of Google sort of having a very specific singular vision and sticking very closely to it, while sort of allowing LG to kind of do what it does with the display. But you're right. Like the V30 to me, by every measure, feels like the better phone, for sure. And yet, and and even then, the V30, to some extent, I feel has too much bezels on the sides, compared to the G6 or the Galaxies, and and I was actually really amazed that the Pixel 2 XL makes a you know 18 by by nine uh, ultra wide angle phone look too wide. You know what I'm a saying? Bit. Like no, yeah, like, you're absolutely right. It, there's so much bezel on the sides of that phone for the fact that it's supposed to be a quote unquote bezelless display that it's like, what what went wrong, guys? <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So my your to your earlier point about uh, the Pixel 2 XL using the same screen as the V30, like I don't know if this has been your experience, but I I think I prefer the way colors and, and everything just sort of in general look on the V30 compared to the Pixel 2 XL. Like being yeah. in that room looking at that phone, the color tuning seemed a little unpleasant. Off. The there's a very distinct sort of blue cast when you look at the phone from an angle. This is a this is a very expensive flagship phone. This is a phone that Google has basically stamped its DNA all over. Like this thing should be impeccable and it's kind of not always. Well, so I think there's a huge inconsistency in the in the yield and the quality of this plastic AMOLED panel that LV, that LG is using for these two phones. Mm. Um, because look, I have a V30 pre-production unit unlocked, and I love it. It's, it's you know it's great, but it's got clear blotches on the display. And Vlad and I were talking about that. He was on the podcast recently, Vlad Sabov of The Verge. Mm. And he has the same problem with his V30 pre-production. My production V30 is tops. It's really clean. Like there's no visible blotches, at least that I've noticed yet. Yeah, same with so, ours. So I think the Pixel 2 XLs we saw, I think were pre-production and potentially had, didn't have the best display yields. But I do believe you're right. There's more. It's more about how Android... Uh, o um, is is tuning its um, its display, uh, you know, 
color temperature and, and settings uh, versus the actual display itself. I think this can probably be tweaked. Uh, hopefully they fix it. I don't know, but I agree with you. There's something odd there. Yeah, it's what really got me too is that if you, I was poking around in the settings of the 2XL there, and there is a setting that says that, that enables what Google calls vivid colors. And I turn the thing on and it doesn't like, it doesn't actually make much of a difference. Like it's negligible. Like I don't maybe understand what's broken. happening. <laughs> maybe, maybe, but like maybe don't show those to us then. Did you feel that the Pixel 2 display, despite being a 16.9 and all the bezelness, was a better display because I felt maybe it was. I mean, it's clearly a 1080p panel, not a Quad HD Plus panel, but but still, like I I was happier with the color rendition on the Pixel 2. Yeah, I think if you sort of run down the list of specs, the Pixel 2 XL pretty clearly wins on paper. But if you have the thing side by side, there really wasn't much of a comparison. Like, yeah, it's a 1080p screen, but just just the color rendition, just it was so much more pleasant on the Pixel 2, which is and- bizarre. And by the way, as an aside, the sound quality of the speakers on the Pixel 2 versus Pixel 2 XL, the Pixel 2 wins. It's way louder and way clearer. The Pixel 2 XL is good, uh, certainly better than the V30, but uh, only better because it has two of the V30 speakers, you know right. what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, it's basically <laughs> that. Whereas the Pixel Guys. 2, you can tell it's an HTC phone with dual speakers because, well, HTC f- speakers, right? Exactly. It's great. So be aware of that. You get uh, potentially a better screen and better speakers on the Pixel 2, even though you get a smaller phone and you get bezel central. I mean, oh my God, bezel. Do you think you could live with bezels that big, honestly? No, not anymore. I'm done. <laughs> like, I'm done. I'm sorry. I'm done. I'm going to get the Pixel 2 XL just because I also need the screen real estate, Chris. I mean, look, the reality is the V30 right now is my favorite phone in terms of like perfect size, right? Uh-huh. Like size to screen ratio, like the whole, like I think the Gal- the Note is an awesome phone. It's too big. The Galaxy S8 is also really good, but a little too small for me. The, the S8 Plus is just a little too big. The V30 kind of fits between the S8 and S8 Plus. And as such, I love it. And there are many other reasons I love it. The camera, uh, I love the, I prefer wide angle myself than, than zoom, uh, than telephoto at, or monochrome, uh, all these other things. And of course the headphone audio on the V30 is just mind bogglingly. Oh right? yeah. And I'm an audio person. So that matters to me. And I'm not saying this is, you should buy a V30 because of my choice. Like, but right now for me, I think a big decision, a lot of people are going to have to make is V30 versus pixel two XL, you know? Because oh, they're, sure. they're so similar in so many ways, yet so slightly different in so many ways. Well, what's I think it's a testament to LG's sort of progress that between these two devices, like there really isn't a bad choice. Like if you obviously want the sort of cleaner interface, if you want to experience Google's sort of AI first approach to software embodied in a device, perfect. Pixel 2 XL is going to do a really good job for you. If you want something that is geared towards media, if you're an, if you're an audio person, if you like making films on your phone, that's where the V30 comes in. They're both such strong choices. I'm really pleased to see LG kind of taking it up a notch. Yeah, no, I think the V30 is by far the best LG phone of all time so far. Oh, for far. sure. Totally agree. And it really is like a superlative effort. It's like really they're trying to posi- – they they're still not going to succeed with it, but sadly. But I think that at least they have a chance now, you know? Um, but but back to the back to the Pixel. Let's, let's talk about the lack of headphone jack because I, you probably don't feel as strong as I do, but I think I'm just really annoyed with this one because – Apple, I can see them getting away with it for so many reasons. They're the they're the leader in terms of 
of you know popularity for sure. They are um, they have invested interest in growing this wireless ecosystem and controlling that ecosystem like they do with made for iPhone. Right. Um, so I can I get the strategic and business reasons behind removing the headphone jack. I disagree with it in the same way as I disagree with Lightning. I think they need to switch to USB C. Mm. But this is Apple, and I and and they are the you know they are the big boys, and I you know you just have to roll with it. But you know when 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 Moto did the Z last year, and then again the Z this year, and at least on the higher end Zs they don't have a headphone jack. I was like. Screw you, you're an idiot. You don't have the clout to do that. That's stupid. And But then I also thought it doesn't matter because nobody's going to buy these phones anyway, right? <laughs> yeah, unfortunately <laughs> for them. Unfortunately. And so then I wasn't too pissed. And of course, Leico did it before everybody else and Leico doesn't count because Leico is dead. So whatever. But then when, when HTC started doing it with the Bolt last year and then did it with the U-Ultra and then did it with U-11, I got really pissed off because HTC was in no position, in my opinion, to say, oh, we're going to drop the headphone jack after being such a leader in that space, right? They, the, the HTC 10 last year could give the V20 a run for its money in terms of audio performance from the headphone jack. Right. You know, it didn't have the quad DAC, but it had something in there that was damn close. And then we get the U11 and we have this crappy $15 digital dongle in the box that sounds like ass. <laughs> and, and there's no alternative. Like the $3 dongles you buy on Amazon are analog they only work with the moto z and the eco phones they don't work with the essential phone they don't work with the u11 they don't work with the pixels so somebody's gonna have to make a high quality dongle or do a, an external dac and amp that works with these phones and then i'll be happy because i don't mind carrying a little extra box it's fine it's just to me like why did google do this it's like they're like htc they're not in a position to do this they're not market leaders they're just trying to establish their hardware might and then they pull this kind of bs like i just that just drives me nuts i it's it's frustrating and it's highly highly anti-consumer but i i, I still like i get why they did this right so I think you brought up Motorola and I had a really interesting interaction with them last year when the original Moto Z's launched. So before, I think this was actually before they even, uh, before Apple announced the iPhone 7, 7 plus, which ditched the headphone. Right, jack, it was before. Yeah, yeah. They, they very sort of casually said to me like, Hey, we're not going to do this either. And they laid all of the blame, 100% of the weight of their decision on the fact that the quote unquote market leader was going to be doing this too. So like, it's an easy out and they're able to, I mean, they were able to, part of that was to just be able to, to build out their weirdo assortment of moto mods, which clearly hasn't really moved the needle much, but because of that, because everyone is able to look at Apple and say, Hey, you know what? They're not doing it. Why should we bother? We can save some space. We can fit some extra stuff into here. Is it a great decision for you and me and anyone out there buying a phone? Hell no, it isn't. But right. they've got the clearance. Like they 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 now have yeah. the ability to kind of say, fuck you and not worry about it because <laughs> Apple's not doing it either. Yeah, I think Apple ruined it for everyone else. Yeah, for sure. But I think still like, you know, Samsung and LG still came out with flagships this year with headphone jacks. And I really thought Samsung was going to do it. Like I, of all the manufacturers, forget Moto, forget HTC, forget Google. I figured the S8 was going to be headphone jackless. Yeah, I would have would Then it would be the them. end. Then it would be the end. But no, Samsung did it. And I was like, whoa, wait a minute. This changes everything. At that point, if I had been Google, I would have said, okay, we need to go back and put a headphone jack on this thing. Um, 
And HTC, well, I think the U11 was too late because it was already baked by then. Right. But I think, you know, I just think it's so user hostile. I think Nilai really nailed it at the verge. It's like user hostile is the word. I don't know of any iPhone user that's happy about the lack of headphone jack on their iPhone 7 or iPhone 8. Nobody. It's no, like not at all. Some people either don't use it and don't miss it, but the moment they need it, they miss it and they're pissed. Right? I, I've heard so many, so many sob stories about people who, in the heat of the moment, did not pack their little lightning yeah. to headphone jack dongle because they've just like disappeared into the wilds of their bag or something. That has screwed over so many people that I know. Like, sure, your, Airbo- your AirPods are great and whatever, they're super convenient. But no, like this does not fix the problem that we encounter on a regular basis. Exactly. So I, I don't know. This is this is weird to me, especially when get this: the Pixel Book has a headphone jack. <laughs> oh, ow, oh, my the, head. The Pixel Book, though, my goodness. Oh my god, hotness. This so is I, a sexy thing. Yeah. I, so you probably spent a little more time with this than I did. I was very sort of like focused on getting my photos and whatever of the Pixel, but the Pixel Book is just a stunning piece of machinery. Wow, yeah. And you know, I, I know a lot of people are already like um, revving their engines back there in the comment land about, ah, Pixel, Chromebook, you know, bullshit. And I'm like, guys, until you use one extensively, you won't get it. And that's okay. Don't worry about it. For me, who has used the original Pixel Chromebook and the original, uh, the Pixel, the Chromebook Pixel XL, no, not XL, 2015, mm-hmm. uh, extensively for work, I am really looking forward to the Pixel Book because it's half the thickness and the weight and it's just stunning. It's just so high-end and so different looking and it still gets me very productive. I mean, don't get me wrong. If I had to do video editing, I'm going to pull out my MacBook and I just have a regular MacBook and I still will, with the pain of that slow processor, do video editing on it because I can't. But that pixel for everything else. I'm even photo editing. You can do in the cloud. It's just fine. You know, like you can run Android apps. So I, I just use Snapseed on the touchscreen and do photo editing in that. And guess what? It's a way better experience than Photoshop every day of the week. Really? You think so? Oh yeah. The only time that it's a problem for me is when I have to do batch processing and then I pull out the Mac, right? And then I do batch <laughs> processing because that's, that's like resizing and stuff like that or color correcting. Yeah. Right. You want to do that in batches. But if that, there's that one photo I want to edit, like Snapseed is such a great tool or, or Photoshop, um, uh, elements or whatever on, on Android or, or even, uh, you know, what is VSCO. And then there is, uh, uh, there's so many of them, right? That, that these Android apps run on this Chromebook. So go nuts. So I think what's interesting to me about the Pixelbook is it runs into the same problems that Apple has with its iPad Pro, right? So you've right. got this really high spec device. You've got, frankly, pretty beautiful machinery altogether, but they're constantly trying to convince people that it's not just this limited sort of hamstrung machine. This is an actual device that you can get things done on. And Apple has found some success with that, maybe, and I'm curious to get your take on this because you've used chrome west it sounds quite a bit more than i have is there room in the world for a thousand dollar chromebook um i i don't really know how to answer that question not because i don't understand it but because my problem and this this is your problem too chris is we get all this stuff for free exactly for free as a review unit that i can keep for a year or something Hell yeah, I'm on board. It's awesome. That's how I'm using my pixels. Well, I did. Right. Well, wow, until I had to return them. But I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like for that, yeah, 100% on board. 
would I spend a thousand dollars? Probably not, because I have to have a computer that can do everything and video editing is part of everything. So, I mean, I do less and less video editing because I do more and more live video. Right. But at the same time, I sometimes have to do like, I just, you know, got a briefing on a phone I can't discuss. I'm sure you're, you're familiar with what I'm talking about. And, I think I might've just come the, back from the same briefing. Right. And that, <laughs> and that phone, um, I had to record onto a real camera because, you know, uh, uh, it was better quality, et cetera. And it, it means that obviously I'm going to edit it. So I need to edit. So I need a video editing machine. And I, that for me, that means a Mac of some kind. And so the reality is if I had a thousand dollars to spend and that was my budget, I would probably buy a MacBook Air for $899, right? Because it falls in that budget. And I'm really happy and familiar with that, with that OS. Um, or I would buy like a Dell Inspiron 13 2 and one or XPS, sorry, XPS 13, because it's a nice machine for the money. Right. Um, or maybe a, a Surface Book, right? Uh, no, so not Surface Book. Surface, Surface Laptop. Pro. Surface laptop, thank you, laptop. And I think there is one that's around the $1,000 mark, right? I believe so. And it's a great laptop, by the way. I, I mentioned it on the last podcast, but I want to reiterate, not because I'm a Microsoft fangirl, but wow, the Surface laptop is a really freaking nice machine. And yeah, like who saw that one coming? Right? I mean, it's a bit big. It's a bit thick. I'm used to 11-inch, you know, 12-inch uh, MacBook size, like super thin laptops these days. And and I think the 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 Pixel Book falls into that super thin, super light category. Uh, but that being said, the Surface laptop was the first time I've used Windows, Chris, where I felt like I was in a unified, vertically integrated, super clean software and hardware ecosystem. Oh, absolutely. Like it felt like I was using a Mac. Like basically there was like, everything was seamless. It just worked. It was painless. It was quick. It, everything is so good. The trackpad, the keyboard, the display. Wow. Yeah. Like, let's be clear. We're not here on this podcast stock with the service laptop specifically, but what a beautiful machine this is. I know. Like it's so good. I know. And so this, so the pixel book is kind of in that realm of like, look, the reality is this, guys. Yes, you can buy a PC every day for $299. That will absolutely do everything I needed to do for my video editing. I believe and I agree, and that's true. But it's not what I want. I like things that are refined and high-end. When my phone in my pocket, and, and I'm talking about me here, I'm talking about the average person in the US today has a flagship phone in their pocket. So many people buy either a subsidy or through some sort of payment plan, galaxies and iPhones, right? Like when you have that level of refinement in your pocket, when you use that quality of build of materials, do you want to go back to a shitty plasticky $299 laptop to work? Hell no. Hell no. You're going to save up and buy something for $1,000 that's aluminum and glass and beautiful. And that means... Uh, you're going to buy an $899 uh, MacBook Air or a $999 uh, Pixelbook or a, a Surface laptop or a Dell Aspiron XPS, if you, you know, or maybe an Asus, beautiful Zenbook of some kind. The question is, can you do your work on the Pixelbook? And for that, I can't really answer that unless, you know, I know what you're doing and unless you try it out and give it a real good rev, because otherwise you won't really know what it's like. I think that's a really good point. Like in order to really tell if you're a Chromebook person, you, you really do need to live the life for a while, which is maybe not the best for sales, right? Because you, it's the kind of thing where if you just sort of, if you're like us and you write stuff and you edit photos every once in a while, then sure, like you could absolutely get that done on a Pixelbook. 
The question is then, is that overkill? Which it may just be. I, I have this like weirdo pet theory that Google is working on something behind the scenes that sort of requires them to be able to build really nice traditional laptop style hardware. So this is just sort of like a test balloon. They've built this Chrome powered machine that does well and is relatively well spec, but they really just wanted to make sure that they could build this thing at scale and not really worry about whether or not people bought it. I, I don't know that that's actually true. I frankly kind of doubt it, but I kind of hope that this is really all this thing is because it doesn't seem to make sense to me otherwise. Yeah, I think there's a lot of that in there. I think there's a lot of that in all the Pixel products and the Google products and this entire hardware lineup. Right. Is that, you know, I don't think Google is going to be super successful selling these phones. I wish I wish they would be. Like, I, I want them to succeed. I want to see more Pixels out there. But I have a feeling it's not going to be much different than pick than last year's Pixel XL and Pixel in terms of the number because you know they're going to be constrained by manufacturing again they're going to be out of stock. It's like to me I'm I think Google has kind of like this split personality about this thing, uh, this whole hardware business, and maybe it's going to change for next year because HTC will have been on board and they really are preparing for next big and this is kind of the last little interim year. But to me, I see a bit of a dichotomy in their in their behavior is that they they put a lot of marketing behind it for this launch and then it fizzles away afterwards. Where are the ads? Where is the campaign to make this a thing for the holidays right and more importantly where's the production to back it up i jeez, these are questions that google has never really been able to answer satisfactorily and i don't know that they're like having htc's resource management sort of skills is going to be helpful for them but i don't realistically know that they're going to fix this problem anytime soon I mean, I'll be frank with you. The question comes down to this. For people not like us and that are early adopters, tech-savvy folks, would you pick a Galaxy S8 or a Pixel 2 XL for the same amount of money, roughly? They're selling about the same right now. Right. Me personally? That is the question. Yeah. that's it's. I, I had like a very fast sort of mental battle with myself. Like, huh, what would I do? And I think I would probably do something, honestly, like the S8, just because I do like having right. the headphone jack. Like, it boils down to that. The S8 is Head sexier. Headphone jack and the great screen. Done. Head, headphone jack, sexier. It's a known entity. The camera is a known entity. Like, and it's rock solid all around. And more importantly, you know you're going to get the support from your carrier, the support from Samsung. Oh, yeah. Right? You're not going to be SOL ever with that phone. Until they stop updating it. But then by that point, you'll buy another phone anyway. Exactly. So so I don't know. I think it's hard to see them succeed with a Pixel 2 when they do things like remove the headphone jack. And then you now they have to sell people on this. You know, it has a single camera versus many phones have a dual camera. We all know they can be successful with a single camera. But I think there's a lot of people out there who are going to scoff at it and go like, wait a minute. Why is your phone so expensive? It only has a single camera. You know? Yeah, it's unfortunate, right? Because we've, you and I have seen firsthand exactly what this single sensor is capable of. Oh my and it's, God. It's effing incredible. Like this oh is, my this is like, it, God. it has the top this score on the XO Mark for a reason. Exactly. This is another leap, Chris. But, but the unfortunate side effect of that is I think you're right. How many people are going to look at this thing and say, oh, it's got one camera. Like they've been able to achieve so much because they only have one camera to work with. I think that it, I don't know that that sort of success is so easily replicated if you move into a more complex two sensor system. I think that's why a lot of the yeah. dual camera systems we've seen so far are okay. Pretty good. Maybe not amazing. Yeah. 
Yeah. Look, I think we should talk about the camera a little more simply because they brought back OIS, which I, we've been missing since the 5X and the 6P, the Nexuses, right? So Remember strange. that, guys? Yeah, Before yeah. that, they all had OIS for quite a while there, starting with the... Uh, the Nexus 5 or the 4 even? I can't remember. The 6 definitely had it. The 5 definitely had it. Maybe the 4. No, the 4 didn't. Uh, but basically, OIS is a thing. And and now, you know, it's really hard to optimize for OIS. It's, as, as you said, it's really hard to optimize and do a really good camera when you don't have the experience with dual cameras. It's also very hard to do with OIS. So that's why they removed it. And look at what they were able to do without OIS last year. Yeah. Wow. Right, because of computational photography, because of machine learning, because they have so much data about images that they can get the camera to understand and recognize things based on like a hash table database stored on the phone um, and say, okay, I'm going to optimize for, I think this is a tree and a person. And then it optimizes settings for that. And you get this amazing, and then, you know, the mobile photos where it breaks the photo down to mosaics, you know, takes out the stuff that's blurry and... And like all that stuff's been around. Qualcomm's been doing it for many years. It's just that nobody's integrated it and added the, the database of knowledge, the knowledge graph that Google has to it to make it so good. Now add OIS to that and add an F over 1.8 lens, which is an improvement over last year's F over 2.0 and, and faster processing, better ISP, even more image processing or like computational photography. And we saw the results in our brief test, right, Chris? Oh yeah, absolutely. Oh my God. It is incredible, guys. Like, so amazing. So, both phones, by the way. You, you're not going to... Oh, and the, and That's the, so important the, to stress, by the way, because people are, are already kind of looking at the Pixel 2 just because it doesn't have the XL moniker as the lesser of two devices. No, guys. It's not. Chipset's the same. Camera's the same. It's going to be an incredible little phone. Exactly. So don't don't hesitate to pick that one up if you want a smaller phone because you'll be happier. Um, because you know the two XL is big despite its its uh, you know quote unquote slightly ish bezel less ish design. Um, but video is also amazing on these phones because they now combine OIS and electronic stabilization. And so I think you know that that kind of robotic feel of the stabilization on the Pixels last year, yeah. like it was kind of felt. Yeah artificial but it was really good really solid just felt artificial i think that's going to be gone with the combine combining the two i think it's going to be more natural feeling yeah i certainly hope that's the case we'll we'll kind of get back to everyone once we play with our review units whenever they show up but definitely i'm, and, I'm and really looking forward to messing around with this thing and folks you should read chris's review when it comes out because i'm sure chris is going to be reviewing it right you're, you're doing the review i hope yeah oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah. So cool. So I think, look, the camera subsystem, and here are a few things you should know about that are really interesting, is that with this AI and machine learning that they're doing, they can pick out objects without depth sensing. So they can do portrait mode on the front-facing camera that way. Um, they can also use the fact that they have a dual, dual pixels for autofocus, just like the Samsung Galaxies. They can use that dual pixel setup at the ISP level to get a very little bit of parallax so that I give a, li a little bit of depth info and kind of further refine the portrait mode or the, the you know, whatever you want to call it, the, 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 the variable depth of field mode that they have in the phone, which is really cool. So I think the end result is going to be that the pixel is going to rate really high in terms of imaging this year uh, and going to be probably the one to beat for just mash the button and want a perfect photo, you know? Oh, absolutely. I mean, so Google, Google had this going last year as well, but like when they announced that they had very handily taken the top spot in DxO's rankings, like 
that's that's no joke. Like just the week before, I think it came out that the iPhone 8 and 8 Plus, or maybe just the 8 Plus, and the Galaxy Note 8 were tied at like a 93 or something, which yeah. were which might have been the previous top scores, but Google came out of nowhere and just smashed them. It was incredible. Yeah. I mean, I, I take the XO scores with a grain of salt. I think they do some really good work, but I do feel that their scores are kind of like, like very benchmarky. Like they, they're not real. They don't reflect real life very well. So, mm. so, you know, keep that, keep that in mind. Like don't, don't judge that only by that. But I really have a feeling the, the, the Pixel 2s are going to be mind-blowingly good in imaging and be the ones to beat. That being said, if you want to be creative, there's no manual control. And we all know that third-party manual control camera apps suck. <laughs> so what you need to do then is get a V30 because in manual, the V30 slays. Like I took some photos with that V30 in full manual mode that I'm like, I cannot believe this is a smartphone. Primarily because f one6 and because the glass lens, like like uh, Nokia used to do with their Zeiss lenses, it was it's all glass and it's so clear and there's so much detail. And then on top of that, you've got all the creative video stuff you can do in the V30, which you can't do anything else. So again, as you as you said earlier, Chris, if you are into more the media consumption and creation and more creative, maybe the V30 is your phone. If you just want to mash the camera button and get awesome results every time, and more importantly, have the latest version of Android and all the updates all the time, then get a Pixel. Yeah, you know? it's such a strong combination of values. It's great. So I think this is super exciting to me. I mean, honestly, overall, I'm very happy and very impressed with these two phones. And the headphone jack's my big sticking point, but the camera really compensates for that. I think we're going to get completely blown away with that camera when we get it, Chris. I think it's just going to be like, we're just going to look at each other, you know, virtually look at each other in the tech reviewing community and (laughs) probably compare notes, go, did you see that? Like, did... Are you seeing this too? This is unbelievable. I know I it's, I, that's what it's going to be like. Oh, for sure. Like the next time we run across each other at an event, we're just going to sort of look at each other and then point at our phones and just be like, "Uh huh, yeah." Uh-huh. Did you see that? Yeah. Just like very exactly. excitedly, like nodded at each other from across nerds. the room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is going to be great. I, yeah, so I think it's going to be uh, very interesting uh, in terms of the rest of it. To me, you know, I mean, there's a lot of little software features and things, but I mean, it's all in the same. Everybody tries to do gimmicky things, and I'm not too worried about that. I just want a really solid phone and everything in that phone is in these phones is solid you know snapdragon 835 there's enough ram there's enough storage no micro sd but we're used to that yeah, it's not here the world one plus five doesn't have micro sd and it hasn't killed it um you know etc cetera, etc cetera. so it's a in that sense it's true it's true typical google right yeah I do hope so, the, uh, the Pixel Buds are good enough that we sort of stop caring about the headphone jack. I don't think that's going to be the case, but I hope... I don't think so. I mean, that's the problem. That, like, the AirPod, like everybody goes on about the AirPods. And I, I look, I have to admit, the AirPod experience is bar none the best wireless uh, listening experience ever. It's, it's fantastic. The sound quality is complete shit. <laughs> and that's the problem I have with it. People are saying, well, why are you complaining about the headphone jack AirPods on the iPhone? I'm like, have you heard these things? It's, it's kind of ridiculous. I'm sorry. My standards are in a different place. I, I can't deal. Like the best I can do right now to use wireless guys, honestly, right. is have a wireless OptX enabled receiver with a headphone jack on it and a good amp and headphone jack and a headphone amp in it 
had good DAC and all that good stuff. As there's a few of them that are out there that are cost about hundred bucks. They're pretty decent. And then you clip that on, you plug your wired headphones into it, you wander around and your phone is connected wirelessly via a really nice lossy OptX codec. That is the closest I can get to missing a head or having a good headphone jack on a phone if it's missing, <laughs> right? Man, I, I would love to just walk up to my dad and say, hey, you know what? You should use this, this sweet wireless aptex receiver and walk around. What's yeah, nobody like, will do on? that. And then if I'm going to do that, honestly, I might as well buy a USB-based one, a USB-C-based DAC and headphone amp because that's even going to sound better because you don't have the aptex uh, codec in the way, even though the aptex codec is very good. And so it's like, it's just like, uh, whatever. The point is that <laughs> the buds, the Pixel buds, I don't, I think, you know, this instant access to Google Assistant is a big deal. And I think that's translation feature, which, by the way, only works on the Pixels, Pixel 2 and Pixel 2 XL, as far as I know. I believe you're right. Um, is cool. But the sound quality is going to let me down. And honestly, the design, they, I think they look like ass. Well, they're, they're neck buds. And there's no way to make neck buds look good at all, I'm fairly sure. I, I just they look like some kind of sporty thing. Like, people don't want to wear a sporty thing all the time. That's why I like the AirPods, because at least they work, they work for everything. Sports, whatever. Yeah, but I... What I, I so I love my AirPods. Like I, I use them with my iPhone all the time. Like they're they're bar none the the most pleasant wireless headphone experience I've ever had. And that oh, for sure. And that goes for most people I think we run into. But for me, the 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 true value proposition of the AirPods lies solely in its convenience, because God knows you're not buying these hundred to sixty dollar buds because the way they sound. At least with the Pixel Buds, the value proposition is functionality. Like Google Assistant is in almost every case better to use than Siri. It's just more functional and, and better at returning answers to questions. Oh my God, yes. And the translation is a complete... Uh -huh. Like, this is stuff that we should be aspiring to in our wireless stuff. I don't think that means we necessarily supplant the wired stuff altogether because that stuff, it has worked forever. It will continue to work great. I don't... Like, turning your back on that seems absolutely foolhardy to me. And I... I, you and I could go on for how for, for forever about how dumb it is for people to remove headphone jacks, but it's it's the nature of the world we live it's in the now. Like people don't give yeah. a shit, and it sucks. And you know what? We'll get good with wireless. It'll come. But like honestly, this is my point. You know, based on what you just said, to me, the Pixel Buds are a half-assed effort. If they had really made a effort, they would be like as cool and sexy as AirPods, and have the Google Assistant, and have the translation feature. Well, so let me ask you, is there, I did not get this impression from my conversations with anyone there, but do you know if there's anything in the cord that sort of makes that a requirement? Is there, are there cables running through it? Yeah, I'm sure there are because I'm sure this is only powered by a single battery and it uses a single Bluetooth receiver on like, and this is what makes the AirPods such a technological tour de force, right? It's the first... I mean, Braggy did some, and now Samsung has some as well. But they were the first done right implementation of two completely separate devices with completely separate batteries with completely separate Bluetooth receivers that are perfectly synchronized. Well, right, that's yeah. that's very hard to pull off, and and that is why you see a lot of neck buds, and you don't see a lot of complete separate buds because nobody can do separate buds right with normal Bluetooth. You pretty much need the W1 chip to make it work. Yeah. So, so you think that the Pixel Buds could have and should have been more, but they just yeah, sort of I Google fell down have, on the job this time? They should have been more expensive if needed be, but they should have been direct IP 
AirPods competitors that happen to have Google Assistant instead of Siri and do translation in real time. Then, and even if the sound quality was very meh, like the AirPods, then I would be impressed because then I would feel like Google, like this is almost like they rebranded some, you know, generic <laughs> yep. Bluetooth headset, but made, made it look like a Pixel product and then added a bit of software to support Assistant and the translate stuff on both ends, like yeah. the phone and the buds. Like there's nothing to it. There's no pushing the envelope into terms of hardware at all. This is all software stuff. It does kind of feel like they went on AliExpress and found a pretty good deal on like on like a run of a few yeah, thousand exactly. wireless I, earbuds. I fully expect Samsung to 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 you know they have they have a pair of completely separate buds. I fully expect their next generation one to have Bixby support. You know what I'm saying? Like because Samsung. But at least that would be pushing the envelope because it would be getting closer to what Apple's done. It's amazing to me that we're a year past AirPods, yet nobody's done it right yet. Yeah, I think Google just sort of looked at the situation and read it wrong. Like people aren't, like the functionality is a nice thing to have. It's a great feather to have in your cap. But at the end of the day, people want something that just works and you don't look like a huge idiot while you're using it. And on that front, yeah, they kind of let us all down. It's a little disappointing. But speaking of audio and speakers and things, oh my God, I'm so excited about the Google Home Mini, which I unboxed on my YouTube channel yesterday. So check it out. But what do you think of that? 50 bucks is so much better than Echo Dot. Yeah, it's it's no competition. If So, I mean, I'll, I'll throw this out there. There there are arguments for using sort of one virtual assistant versus another. But if you're a Google person or if you're just kind of on the fence, to me, the entry point should be the Google Home Mini. Although uh, some of them might uh, listen to you 24-7 yeah. for a little Oh, my while. God. And of all the God. people is Artem, like, they got killed on that one. Deservedly oh so, God. man. Like, if it's you, so if you funny. put I that mean, out there in the world and you're, you, like, your commitment to privacy is not 100% fully executed on the technical <laughs> side, then you deserve I, everything you get. I know. I just find it funny that of all the reviewers, it wasn't me. It wasn't you. It wasn't, you know, CNET. It wasn't The Verge. It was Artem at Android Police. Oh, my God. Uh, he was very good about it. And they were very good about it. And I think that, you know, this stuff happens and it's okay. This is clearly a, a bug. I'm a bit bummed that they disabled it completely, that they didn't offer to just return the units, uh, to trade all the units out there that do it. Hopefully they're going to do that and re-enable the feature. And maybe it's just a, a quality control issue, right? Because mm -hmm. it seems to be related to the uh, touch-sensitive sensor on top of the cloth. Um I'll, I'll link if you guys, if you folks, if you don't know what I'm talking about, I'll link to it in my uh, in my show notes because I don't want to get into it right now since we have about ten minutes left to talk. But ultimately, I'm super excited about the the, the Google Home Mini, um, and it works really well. I'm very happy with mine. I have to ask, did you did you use the sort of touch to enable feature very often? Because I haven't at all. No, I haven't at all. Uh, I just think it's nice to have because if you have the mute, the microphone muted in the back. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I suppose if it's muted, even that won't work. I was, I was thinking that the touch might enable it. It would be nice if it was only working when you touched it in some ways. So if you really wanted to worry about privacy, but obviously that feature is broken and disabled right now. <laughs> um, but look, the, the, don't worry about it. 50 bucks for Google Assistant in your house that finds your phones and 
uh, does all the great things Google Assistant does. I mean, yeah, it's not an echo, right? The, I, I, have an, I have a couple of echo dots. And the reason I do is because for my home automation, for all my lights and stuff, yeah. it's the best integration so far. I hope Google can get to that because then I'll get rid of my Echo Dots. The only other adventure my Echoes have, because I'm not very invested in Amazon ecosystem. I don't have my music on there. Um, you know, I don't use a lot of music streaming services. I pretty much only use Google Play Music. Uh, so for me, the Echo Dot is mostly about my home automation and also because it flashes yellow when you receive an Amazon delivery, which is really <laughs> awesome. Yep. For, That's like the best feature they ever implemented <laughs> on that thing. For, for in my but, house, it's basically, I have, I have an Echo, all the it's time, like prim right. my primary virtual assistant avatar in a tube thing and it's it's used for three things it's used to turn my lights on and off it's used yep. to tell me if a package has shown up in like the mailroom downstairs yep. and like if i want to be lazy and listen to someone read a book to me instead of reading a book then yes oh, i will do nice. that and that is it once Google can do all of these things just as well, like I'm totally yeah. fine to say goodbye. I, I have ordering turned off on that Echo. There's no way I'm going to let somebody just walk into my house and order stuff on Amazon. Are you kidding me? Like, and you know, the dash buttons, all that stuff that they, you know, they have, like, I don't understand the use case for this. It's like, look, it's not that hard, right? At the end of the day, you make a really quick little tally of what you need on your phone throughout the day. And at the end of the day, you have it in your cart and you go buy now. And the next day it appears on your doorstep. It's not really that hard. You don't need a button next to the washing machine that says, <laughs> I need more Tide. I'm sorry. This use case does not exist in my world. Well, so you have to understand, like there is, I think, a, a cabal of designers working at all of the major tech companies who are basically just pushing the notion that people are our age, like aren't responsible adults anymore. Like they can't handle these minor, minor <laughs> adulting tasks. And they've, they've like led directly to the development of things like the dash button in which you hit a thing and your dog food shows up. Cause you like, couldn't be bothered to write something down on a list. Like what is wrong with our society? I mean, to me, like I, 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 you're right. This isn't, but maybe it's an, an adulting solution problem, but uh, I was always thinking more that these dashings, the way they're marketed is more like, you know, busy family mother having to like do a job plus pick up the kids at the daycare. Daddy has to do the laundry, you know, like it's kind of insane all the time. And it, it would be even too much work for them to go uh, online and order the stuff at the end of the day. So I, I get it. But then I think to myself, okay, this is very flawed. Because the moment the four-year-old sees the button, they're going to push it. Oh, yeah. So how do you, how do you, then it's not practical. Like, it just doesn't work. To me, I think it would be way easier to say, uh, hey, Echo, uh, I'm not saying um, the right word because I don't want to wake up my dot <laughs> right here. Hey, Echo, could you, you know, could you order some laundry detergent? Then, then that would make sense to me, you know? Well, I feel like do it that way. Do it by voice. That makes more sense because that's a little harder to do. And also you can maybe detect the whose voice it is. And if it's the kids, you don't do it. Right. Oh, yeah. It makes so much more sense. It's, it's a little more difficult on the technical level, I assume, because you have to sort of filter out who is saying it and who is account. But that's Google's attached doing that to. on Assistant now. They can distinguish multiple people from multiple accounts. Oh, yeah, right? that's right. They can. They just added that feature. That's like that's going to be a killer feature. Can you imagine if you have an Echo, sorry, not an Echo, but a, a Home Mini in two different rooms and your roommates are saying, right, like you and your roommate have one. And if you just do a query by voice, they know who it is and they can do the right thing. Like if you say, turn off the lights, they know it's your room, the lights, not their room, mm -hmm. the lights. That is cool. Yeah. No, that's really, really awesome. Yeah. I'm excited about it. And because honestly, who wants to spend $129, $150, $199 on the full-size Echoes or home 
devices. I mean, the whole Max is cool for a different reason because it's, I think, uh, lighting a fire under Sonos's ass, right? But I don't, I want to, I think the $50 price point is what makes these things so compelling to me. Absolutely. Like you, it's, it speaks to sort of Google's ability that they've been able to make something that works this consistently good and charge this little for it and have, a, I think, a package that looks infinitely more pleasant to have in your a, home than a, than an Echo yeah. Dot. Like through and through, Google has got this one sewn up. It's just Amazon's head start has been so lucrative so far. For sure. And, and I have to say, Amazon's design of the Echo Dot is very much like, it feels like, you know, I'm in an airplane cockpit. It's not a bad thing. It's very nerdy. Where I think the Google Home Mini is much more like, this can seamlessly get lost in your house somewhere and you might forget you even have it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Which is weird to kind of think of Google, the company that's been building gadgets for years to kind of be the one to get it. Amazon to me has always kind of been that entity where it's it's worked so, so hard to bake itself into the fabric of your home that for them to kind of come out with this thing that looks sort of dopey and derpy and a little too technical... It's it's not what I would have expected. It's totally a reverse of the case that I wanted to see. Yeah. So what do you think of the Home uh, Max? Uh, sorry, HomePod. You just got screwed. Yeah. I think Sonos is going to be hurting even more. Yeah. Have you uh, have you spent or any time with or seen the uh, the Sonos One, I believe it's called? The new one? Yeah. Uh, the no, one I everyone's haven't. kind of... I haven't either, but, I did, but people seem really I excited. I did uh, connect my Sonos Play 5. I have the, the newer Play 5, the one that came out two years ago. Mm. Um, I connected that to my Echo Dot now that that's available as an option. How's that been treating And you? guess what? They kill their own product because, you know, if you're already a Sonos <laughs> customer, like this works like a charm. I don't think I need to get, uh, you know, to get a, a, a play, a brand new Play 1. I suppose if you're buying new ones, you might as well buy the, the voice-enabled one. Um, it's very cool, the implementation. The Echo Dot will lower the volume of instantly of the Sonos as soon as you start speaking to it. Oh, really? Yeah. So we can hear you better. Man, why? I know. Why try it. Like, try it out. If you have time. Yeah. I know it's a little time consuming. It's just installing apps and updating apps. That's all it is. Just, just try it out. It might be worth an article or have somebody on your team because it's really cool. Yeah. I'll, I should look into that. That is actually really interesting. And then um, the last product is Clips. And I have some thoughts, but I want to hear yours. I also have thoughts. It's, it, to me, more <laughs> than anything else we, that Google unveiled that day, feels like. I don't know. It feels like a machine learning experiment that they just sort of cooked up in house and said, oh, hey, we could feasibly sell this to maybe parents and pet owners. Sure. Like, let's give it a shot. Like, I don't think that they're really convinced that this is going to sell in any real meaningful way. But I think they just they came up with a cool thing. Like they had the 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 machine learning smarts to kind of come up with an interesting angle for a camera. And they just kind of said, F it, let's go for it. Like, I appreciate that weird Google is still there if you're willing to look closely enough. Oh, yeah. No, that's, that's I totally agree with you. My biggest issues with it is how they marketed it. I, I think the price is too high. Sorry, way too high. Secondly, um, why not make this a Nest product? So to me, see this thing, like, I think their marketing is off. If you had said to me, this is a wireless Nest camera, Oh, uh, sorry. Uh, uh, wireless in the sense of of it battery powered, right? Right. Like it doesn't require to be plugged into the wall like an S camera is, and you can place it anywhere in your house. Um, and it does a number of things. Of course, security is number one. It will appear in your Nest timeline with all the other stuff if you wanted to. But you have this new features now where it integrates with your Google account, and you can have it take photos when you talk to it. 
or, or it chooses when to take photos for you and it stores them on your Google Photos from your Nest account automatically. Like that to me would have made more sense because then it's a dual purpose device. I can decide to use it as an S camera. Um, maybe I, you know, I want to put uh, temporarily put an S camera outside uh, while I'm working on my project car in the driveway all day because I, you know, I need to go inside and to use the restroom from time to time and gives me security, right? But at the same time, I can have my kids play in front of this thing and it automatically does its AI thing. And if it costs less than $200, I might be able to say, oh yeah, that's okay, I'll, I'll get one. But the way they marketed it was almost creepy to me. It's like, oh yeah, put this in front of your family and Google decides when to take the photos. And maybe Google will spy on you 24-7 like they did with the whole mini by accident. Quote, accident. Yeah. You know, like it's just, it just felt a little creepy to me, the market. And then the cost and then the fact that they just like, I don't know, the fact that they just didn't seem to have use cases there where they're very compelling for me. I don't know. It's very, I mean, so the Nest thing is a really interesting angle because the the sort of internal Google and Nest relationship has been pretty weird for a long time, right? Oh, for sure. So, like, I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if Google came up with this, like, inkling of an idea that they could implement with a decent little camera and, like, a chipset they could squeeze into a tiny little body and said, you know what, we could we could make this a Nest product. That sort of makes sense. But also, screw those guys. Like, they, it's, it's only really now that Nest is starting to feel like a fully accepted member of the Google family, which is bizarre in its own way. But I wouldn't be surprised if some some hurt feelings or some lack of trust that stemmed from the last two years of Nest being just kind of a loser for Google kind of prompted Google to just say, you know, let's just do this ourselves. Right. Yeah. I, I look, I, th I, I think it's cool to see them experiment. I just don't think they're going to sell any for at that price point, especially with the creepy factor. <laughs> so, but so, I could be, I could be wrong. I mean, like to be absolutely clear, like Google swears up and down that none of the photos that this thing takes, that clips takes, go to the cloud by default. Like they all live on the unit itself. You can offload them to your phone and then save them to Google Photos if you want. But that's by no means the the necessary course of action. And like, sure, that's that that's that's true and fine. And in that way, you've absolved yourself of the sins of like messing with people's privacy. But I wonder if just the idea itself is just creepy enough that people would I'm sort saying. of back away from it, you know? Like, I'm not a Luddite, neither are you, but it still creeps me out in a weird way. Like, and that's, you know, that that's, that's really pushing it. At least they put a record light on it. So, you know, it's happening. Yeah. That's a big Although, like, really, would it have killed them to make the record light red or something a little more visible? Like, uh, oh, jeez. Yeah, Google. They're just weird. Those guys. Those guys. Anyway, yeah. So I think, let's see, did we go through every product? There were so many. I think we did. I think we somehow managed all of them. Look at that. In an hour, we're pretty good. <laughs> uh, yay. So listen, that's great. Uh, anything else you want to add before I give you a chance to you know, pimp your, your channels and places and things? No, let's just do this again soon. This was fun. Yeah, this is great. All right. Tell everyone where they can find you, Chris. So you can find me on Twitter at Chris Velasco, V as in Victor, E-L-A-Z as in Zebra, C-O. All of my writing and videos appear on Engadget.com and the Engadget YouTube. And yeah, that's me in a nutshell. Yay, Chris. You guys, really, if you don't follow Chris, you need to. Um, awesome content. And Engadget does a fantastic job. And I really feel like you've managed to hold the torch from back in the day in mobile because mobile is you know, kind of almost a commodity nowadays. Back when I was doing mobile at Engadget, 
we kind of had rightfully had our own thing going sure. almost because, you know, it was a separate thing, but now mobile is so important that, you know, um, so yeah, kudos for all the hard work and the great job. And I know it's not just you, you have an entire team of wonderful people. I know many of them that do really good work. So keep it up. It's awesome. Thank you. But I also should point out that I directly or indirectly learned a lot from my predecessors, i.e. you and Brad. Like I, I came into this because Brad found a new career and seems very happy with it. And I just kind of like fell into it and like, yeah, filling your shoes and Brad's shoes and like Chris Ziegler's shoes. Those yeah. that's, that's no small thing, but I, I, I owe a lot to you guys. So thank you. Well, you know, we're, I'm flattered. And I, again, I said, you're kicking ass and keep it up. It's awesome. Um, you guys know where to find me, uh, at TNKGRL on Twitter. That's Tank Girl without the vowels, like the comic book character. Uh, go find my un many, many unboxing videos on YouTube, uh, youtube.com slash Miriam Schwar. That's like my full legal name, M-Y, uh, not an I for Miriam, but a Y. Uh, and then, uh, you know, look for me on Google+, Plus, on Facebook, and every other place. And more importantly, tell your friends about this podcast. We're really trying to grow this into a big deal. Uh, mobiletechpodcast.com is where they can go. And once they're there, they can subscribe. Uh, through the RSS feed. We're also searchable on iTunes. We're also on Pocket Cast. Uh, search for the first three initials of the first three na uh, three words, uh, MTP, Mobile Tech Podcast, on Pocket Cast, and you'll find us, I believe. And uh, yeah, subscribe, all that good stuff, and stay tuned for next week. We'll have another guest. Uh, something fun is happening next week. I'll be in Hong Kong, so the podcast will be recorded over there. Uh, Chris, thanks again for being on. You rock. I appreciate it. <laughs> thanks for having me. All right. Bye, everybody. Cheers. Bye. This has been the Mobile Tech Podcast with Tank Girl, proudly presented by worldpodcasts.com. You can visit us online at mobiletechpodcast.com.